There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Everyone standing, everyone standing. Good morning, Harvest. Uh, praise God. We are, we are in our series, Spiritual Gifts. We first welcome those at all of our campuses today. We're excited that you're with us today. Uh, we are going to conclude our series, Spiritual Gifts, today. And uh, today we, we, we're going to answer a, a question that your neighbor has. Now, now, as everyone is standing at this time, I want you to look at your neighbor and ask him and say, Neighbor, neighbor. Uh, do, have you ever wondered why? You've had to deal with, to deal with. your what? Look the other one, because the other one didn't understand. Look at him and say, no, I'm for real. Tell him I'm for real. Have you ever asked God, why me? Uh, lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message that I am about to receive. As you remain standing, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're concluding our series, Spiritual Gifts, today. And we're going to answer some whys for you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, familiar passage of scripture, uh, perhaps for some, for some, perhaps the first time you've ever read it. But by the time we're done with this today, you're going to know this one well. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7, it says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That just means in your body, that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Well, watch this. We are hard-pressed 
on every side. Yet. <laughs> oh, somebody going to get something today. Yet not crushed. There's people around you now that don't understand how it is you're dealing with the hell that you're dealing with. Because they, they haven't read this verse. I got some stuff pressing me, but it ain't crushing me. Okay. Look, look what he says. He says, we are perplexed. Some stuff we don't understand. Some stuff we can't quantify nor qualify. But, but he says, but we are not in despair. He says, persecuted. We got some folk hating on us, some folk talking about us, some family folk doing you wrong. You got, he, he says, but you're still not forsaken. And he says, you've been struck down. There was some stuff that you just knew was yours. There was some promises that you just knew God had made you. He said, but, 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 but you're not destroyed. I'm going to say it again because your neighbor didn't hear me. I'm going to say it again. He says, we are hard-pressed everywhere, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, confused, befuddled, but not in despair. We are persecuted by some of the same people that we did the most for. But we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. God, speak in this house today. We open our spirits to perceive what you have for us today. As we conclude this series, let us go out beyond cloud nine. Let us be on cloud 50-something. Let us go in a place, God, today to where we get an understanding of every what that happened in our lives. Every person that lied to us and lied on us and every situation that we couldn't understand why we had to deal with it and why we were treated that way and so on and so forth. Make it clear for us today. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five your neighbor. Say, you're gifted. So what are you going to do about it? Uh-huh, that's what I'm teaching today. Uh, the goal of this series, Spiritual Gifts, and if you have not been here for the series, I encourage you uh, to go to the bookstore and get your hands on these teachings. But the goal of this series has been to teach you that you are gifted. Say, I'm gifted. And God wants to use your spiritual gifts to help change the lives of others. And in this series, we've shown you how to clearly identify, use, and maximize your gifts in every sphere of your life. Now, watch this. Uh, more importantly, you've been learning how to use your gifts to change the lives of others. God has a plan. Say that. God has a plan. I'm part of that plan. God wants to use me. Now, we've learned in this series that a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability to do God's work for God's glory. Now, watch this. I want to take for a moment, if you would, a trip down memory lane through this series. We started the first message, what am I going to do with my life? You remember that one? And the big gift throughout this series has been the knowledge of oneself. When you discover how you're gifted, you discover you. Many people go around in life and they act like they don't know who they are. And people even have these things they call midlife crises uh, where they go through situations and people will often say, I'm trying to find myself. Well, the truth is, you don't have to wait till you're 40, 50, 60 to find yourself. You can find yourself when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. When you find out how you're gifted, then you find out what it is that you uh, can do and who it is that you really are. One of the big conundrums or hard problems for many people is the question, what am I going to do with my life? Anybody ever asked that question? What in the world am I going to do? And you had plans when you were a teenager. You had plans when you were a child. You were going to grow up and be a policeman, yet you find yourself running from the police. Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Touch your neighbor say, don't act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't know. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. You, 
you, you had dreams and desires and goals and what have you. And the truth of the matter is, is that that question can only be answered when you understand how you're gifted. Say, I'm gifted. How you're gifted reveals your assignment or the reason you were created. You were not just created to work a job to pay bills. You were not just created to pop out babies. You were not just created to even be married. There's a specific reason that you were created, and it involves bettering the lives of other people. Now, watch this. We learned in that message that spiritual gifts are normally grouped into three categories. The motivational gifts. Remember the next one? The manifestational gifts and the five-fold gifts. Y'all a good class. We learned in that message that spiritual gifts are not just natural talent. Somebody says, I have the gift of music. No, you don't. You're talented musically. People say, I have the gift of love. No, you don't. Love is not a gift. Love is a commandment. People say, I have the gift of peace. No, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. You better learn how to make peace. There's some stuff, this is the word for somebody, there's some stuff you sitting up in here mad about that you just need to drop it and let that thing go and just make peace about it. And I ain't finna, uh, look at the neighbor and say, ain't nobody got time for that. Tell them, ain't nobody, ain't nobody got time for that. Be sitting up mad about stuff and stressed out about what you did to me and how you lied to me. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's what she said. That's what she said. Now look at this, look at this, look at this. Look, look at this. We, we learn that spiritual gifts aren't just given to an elite few. They're given to everybody that places their faith in Jesus. We learn that spiritual gifts are not the fruit of the Spirit. We learn that spiritual gifts are not something we should fear. Uh, we learn that spiritual gifts are not even a sign of spiritual maturity because, in fact, some of the most immature and undisciplined people are the most gifted people. We learn that spiritual gifts are not titles and positions, although they can lead to those things because you can be gifted without a title and, and be in position, and you can have a title but not have a gift. We learn that spiritual gifts are not for show. Uh, they're not for our glory, but they're for his glory. Y'all remember, we're just going down memory lane. Would y'all just come with me for a moment? Then in the second uh, message, we learned about the motivational gifts. And you remember, you received a little teal box, and you were asked to put your top five spiritual gifts in that box because you are an empty box that God puts gifts in, and then you become a gift when you use your gifts to serve others. So the next time somebody says to you, you just think you're God's gift to the world, don't you? You can look at them and say, sure am. And say it just like that. Don't say, no, I certainly believe that I am. No, you got to say it like you're from the South. Sure am. Look at your neighbor and say, sure am. No, when I use the gifts that I've been given, I become a gift to other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, New, uh, New Living Translation says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. When you make a decision to use, uh, to give yourself away for the glory of God, he can use you in one of seven spheres. Y'all remember those? They were family, media, spirituality, or the church, arts and entertainment, government, education, and business. Now, you sitting in here today or watching online, you are already in one of those seven spheres. And God did not put you there just so you can get paid. God did not put you there just so you can use a degree that you're still paying off. God put you there so that you can use how you've been gifted to now be a gift to people around you. Does your neighbor say, you're gifted? Tell them. Tell them, say, you're gifted. We talked about a few characteristics and cautions or pros and cons of the nine gifts that we tested for. And if you're in here today and you've not heard anything about this, this is your first time hearing anything about this, you can go to our website and take the spiritual gifts test. It's totally free. Somebody say free. Watch everybody go take the test after church. Now, look, there are nine gifts uh, that are test tests for the presence of. Uh, and, and if this is your gift, just shout at me. Uh, we, we tested for prophecy. We tested for prophecy. 
it's always like only two or three people that that's a dominant gift in. That means God consciousness. We tested for serving. That means task oriented. We tested for teaching. That means truth oriented. We tested for exhortation. That means growth conscious. We tested for giving. Uh, everybody ought to be shouting after last week's message. Everybody ought to be shouting after last week's understanding about being a generous giver. Now, if you weren't here last week, this ain't going to make no sense to you, so you got to get the CD. But just look at your neighbor and say, you're looking a little greasy. Now, don't you get offended. That's from last week's teaching. That's from last week's teaching. In fact, can we just press the envelope a little bit, tell them you're looking fat and greasy. You got to get last week's teaching now. We're not, a, we're not talking about nobody. You just got to get last week's teaching. Touch your neighbor and say, you have to get the CD. Okay, we're not, we're not trying to offend nobody. That's a compliment. Got to get last week's teaching. Got to get last week's teaching. Then we talked about, we tested for administration. That gift is goal-oriented. We, we tested for evangelism. That gift is a proclaimer of good news. We tested for mercy. Oh. They're feeling-oriented. And we tested for Pastor Shepherd. These are ones who care for a flock. You remember we did that. Then in the next message, we took a bit of a detour, and we talked about what the Apostle Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, where he told him to stir up the gift. Somebody say, stir up the gift. He told his spiritual son, Timothy, he said, stir up the gifts of God that are in you through the laying on of my hands, which literally uh, was the Greek word uh, anozoporeia, which means to kindle anew or to resuscitate, to inflame, to keep one's mind on, to strengthen, uh, to, gain, uh, to gain zeal. He said, be excited about what's on the inside of you. In essence, he was saying, Timothy, be excited about your own life. He was saying, take your own spoon and stir up your own coffee. Stop waiting on somebody else to uh, confirm you and affirm you and tell you that you're gifted. God has said to you that you're gifted. And he was saying, son, stir up what's on the inside of you. Hear me, if you're not excited about your own life, why should somebody else be excited about it? If you're not excited about getting up in the morning, why should somebody else be more excited about it? I know you've made some mistakes. I know you've had some rough times. But baby, that's over. That was then and this is not. I'm excited about my who am I preaching to? I'm excited about my life. Yes, I made some mistakes. Yes, I had some failures. But God. Watch this now. Be seated. Watch this. Watch this. He said, he said, he said, he said, resuscitate, kindle up, strengthen, have zeal. He, he said, get excited. There's nothing worse than somebody walking around talking about they love God and they look like they had some pickle juice for breakfast. You know pickle juice Christians, you might be sitting next to one of them now. They just mad. Everybody else in here talking about preach bishop and they like, look at him, look at him, look at him. If you get excited about your life, you wouldn't look so messed up. If you get excited about your life, you wouldn't look so jacked up. If you'd stop dwelling on your past and start giving your mind in your future, you wouldn't look so mad. 
Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Then, then we talked about the manifestational gifts. We're just going down memory lane. We're just going down memory lane. We talked about the manifestational gifts, the manifestation, uh, which was the Greek word phanerosis, which means flashes. It is when God made manifest or visible something that was hidden or unknown. It's not that God was doing something new. It's that he was revealing something that had been done. There are things in your life that you're saying, God, do this, God, do that. And what you need to get an understanding is, is that when God said, let there be in the beginning, there has always been. Uh, God is not creating something or getting ready to do something new in your life. You're just waiting on a manifestation of that which has already been done. So for those of you saying, Bishop, I need a healing in my body, hear me. Uh, healing is not getting ready to be created for you. Healing was done for you. 2,000 years ago, you're just waiting on the manifestation of it. You're not hearing what I'm saying. For those of you saying, Bishop, I need a miracle in my family. What you don't understand is, is a miracle's not getting ready to be created. You just need a miracle to manifest in your life. It's already been done. Somebody say, it's already been done. It is the equivalent of you receiving an inheritance but not knowing how to access the inheritance because you didn't have the paperwork when you went to see the attorney. It is the manifestation. It, it is a flash. It's when God says, let me show you something. God says, you thought I was good for what I did for you last year, but let me show you something. You know? God says, you thought I was awesome when I brought you out of that bad relationship, but let me show you something. You thought I was awesome when I paid those bills and you didn't know how they were going to get paid, but let me show you something. You thought I was great when I healed your body the last time, but... This time, I'm going to take away all of the infirmity. You thought I was great, but I healed your son last time, but shh, let me show you something. And so, those manifestational gifts were the, the gifts of prophecy and a word of wisdom and word of knowledge and faith where God gives you the ability to believe him because sometimes it takes God to believe God. Sometimes the faith you have is insufficient, and God says, just take mine because what I need you to believe me for, you don't have the faith to, okay. We talked about that. We talked about the manifestational gift of healing and miracles and to, to distinguish or discern spirits. Uh, we talked about the manifestational gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And then the next message, we talked about the fivefold gifts. Y'all remember, they are the apostle. Come on, do, do the hand movement. Come on. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. See, the, pro uh, the apostle, that's the foundation. The prophet, that's the correction. The evangelist, that's reaching out, that's preaching, proclaiming the good news. The pastor, the ring finger, married to the church, and the teacher because you get a firm and solid foundation uh, when you have the pinky there in place. So now watch this. We learned that those fivefold gifts equipped you to do life. Too many of us live life by experimentation rather than by design. And so what we really have is not a life, but we have a laboratory. Because what we do is we throw a little this in, throw a little that in, hope this works, take a little bit of what mama and them said, take a little bit of what so-and-so said, take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that. And we try to mix it together and we have an experimentation on our hands. The problem, if you've ever dealt with chemicals, is that you understand sometimes in chemistry that when you mix things that are not supposed to be mixed together, that sometimes you have an explosion. And that's what some people have seen in their lives is an explosion because they were mixing things that were never supposed to be mixed together. Okay. So we learned that those five gifts, those five gifts help equip you to do life so that you do life not by experiment but by design. Can I tell you that there's some mistakes you don't have to make? Can I tell you that there are some wrong turns that you don't have to make? Can I tell you that there are some accidents that you don't have to have? 
We learned that the fivefold gifts, they build you up, they edify you, that they help you to mature, that they ensure that you're not deceived easily and that you're inspired to do your part. And then uh, I snuck in a teaching on a Wednesday night as part of the series. We talked about spiritual gifts in 3D. Y'all okay? We're just going down memory lane. We talked about how spiritual gifts must be desired how spiritual gifts must be developed, and how spiritual gifts must be deployed. And so uh, the Scripture teaches us that we can desire spiritual gifts, which means that there's a gift you don't have. You can desire it and ask the Lord to give it to you. Uh, but then we talked about how they have to be developed, and we talked about how things are best developed when they are submitted to something. Uh, when something is submitted or under a mission, it gives it the opportunity to be developed. So many people, perhaps even you listening under the sound of my voice, you are underdeveloped in life because you've never submitted yourself to anything. And because you've never gotten under the mission of anybody or anything, then you, what you possess is potential, but you don't possess power. And potential is not power but because potential is unrealized power. And so... See, it got real quiet there, and I knew that it would because we don't want to talk about stuff like that in church today because we just want to live. It's my thing. Do it how I want to do it. Well, how's that been working out for you? And then we talked that spiritual gifts must be deployed. You got to use them. Say, I must use them. And last week, here we go, we're almost to the day. Last week, we talked about I want this gift. And we learned about a spiritual gift that we can desire and should have, which is generous giving from our substance. We learned uh, last week that our substance is our time, our talent, our resources, our gifts, and our finances. And you'll remember, uh, you learned last week that you can never outgive God. And we learned last week that our generous giving is a spiritual weapon. And we learned last week that it's a bounce-back guarantee. So if you weren't here last week, you got you to get that because that's where the fat and greasy thing came from. That's what the Bible says happens to you when you're a generous giver. He says you, you, you'll have so much that you'll have more than what you need. Okay, all right. And then he says, you'll be greasy, which the imagery was. He said that I will anoint you such that every time something looks like it's getting ready to clamp down on you, you're just going to slide right on through that thing. Every time a problem looks like it's getting ready to overcome you, you just slide right on past that thing. Okay. But now this week, somebody say this week. The question is, you're gifted, but what are you going to do about it? Watch this. As we conclude this series, I endeavor to bring us to a zenith or a high place or a culmination to cause you to take one step. Somebody shout one step. I said shout it, not say it loud. One step. Now watch this. When we talk about using your gifts to change the lives of others, for some, that's pretty aloof. That's pretty far off because many people are just trying to survive everyday life. You talk about using your gifts to change the lives of others. Some people just trying to get their Excel bill paid. You talk about using your gifts to change the lives of others. Some folks are just trying to get their cricket bill paid because now they don't give them the grace period that they used to give them. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me? Oh, y'all going to act like that in church? Uh-huh. When you talk about using your gifts to change the lives of others, some people are just trying to figure out where they're going to lay their head this evening. And so when you talk about so you're gifted, uh, it really can become for some this aloof subject like, wow, that's great for everybody else but not for me because you're just trying to survive everyday life. And therein lay the problem. You were not created to survive. Hear me. You were created to thrive. There's nothing about you that's supposed to be average. There is nothing about you that's supposed to be a run of the mill. There's nothing about you that's supposed to just be surviving hear me you were created to thrive say I was created 
to thrive. Watch this. The difference from surviving and thriving comes when you understand the why of your what's. Say it again. The difference between surviving and thriving is when you understand the why of your what's. Have you ever met somebody that's stuck on the question why of a what? And every time you talk to them, they bring up their what because they're still trying to answer the question why. Okay, let me give you an example because maybe you've not met anybody like that. You, you say to them, hey, how you doing today? Well, you know, my wife left me. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out what that has to do with how you doing today. You say, how are things going? How are things going for you? Oh, I tell you, man, you know, I can't believe my son did that to me. When did he do it? 89. Okay, okay, okay. You ever met somebody who's stuck on their what because they don't understand why? Okay, can, can, we, just, can we just for a moment pretend that we're in a group therapy session? Oh, no. Well, I got the mic, so I'm going to do it anyway. But can you just pretend with me for a moment that we are in a group therapy session? And in this therapy session, the purpose of this is to now dig and to uncover some of the things that you've endured that have caused you to ask why. And the truth of the matter is, even though you're sitting here today and you're breathing, you are still not beyond that experience because what you're still trying to answer is the question why. So even though it was 20 years ago, the truth is emotionally you stopped growing 20 years ago because you got stuck on your why. So for a moment, we're going to have a group therapy session. We're going to have a group therapy session for a moment. And we're just going to uh, think about some of those things that we don't understand why. Hmm. Each week in this series, you've been given a tangible or intangible gift. And today's gift to you is an understanding of all the whys of the what's that you've encountered in life. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. What is it that you're still wondering why? Why your father walked out, why your mother wasn't there, why your husband won't love you the way you see him seemingly have love for other people, why your wife doesn't look at you with the same admiration that she looks at another. Oh, I knew it would get quiet right through here. Why your children, even though you taught them the right way to go and you taught them the word and you taught them all of those things, why they won't serve God. Why, after being faithful to God, did you find yourself in a financial ruin? Why, after being a faithful giver and a faithful tither, did you find yourself being laid off? Who, who am I talking to? Why, 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 why? Why, after having prayed, did that person that you believed would be healed still leave the earth? Why, why? Why, after you just were a little child, but why did that person feel that it was okay to take advantage of you? Why, 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 why? You were a baby. You, you were a child. You had no way to know and to distinguish right from wrong, up from down, black from white. Why? Why, after you were faithful to that relationship, did all of a sudden they come in and say it's over? Why, 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 why after y'all had all kind of plans for marriage and had all kind of cutouts from wedding magazines and you knew David's bridal, you knew Dave personally and you had his cell phone number. Why all of a sudden did what seemed to be what was going to be the greatest day of your life turn into a nightmare on Elm Street? Why? Why did that man that said he loved you lift his hand toward you? 
Why, 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 why did that family member that you did everything for, that when they needed a ride, you were there. When they needed a job, you found it. When they needed comfort, you gave it. When they needed to be consoled, you were there. When they needed a hug, you gave them four. Why did they, why were they the ones to betray you? We're just asking the question, why? And the truth of the matter is, is that many people in this place today are stuck at that question, why? But I got an announcement for you, and I got an announcement for Satan, and I got an announcement for every what that's in your life. By the time this word is done being ministered to take, I don't know who this is for, but you're going to be set free from the why in your life and you're going to be set free from I, I just wish there was some faith in this house that said I believe the word I'm going to be set free from that faith by the time I walk up out of 14100 I'm going to be set free by the time I come up out of this place I'm not going to be crying about it anymore by the time uh, who am I why here's the reality Everything that you have faced in life and what you are facing now is no coincidence. And some of you say, Bishop, how do you know that? Very simple. I know the Bible. And I know that in Hebrew, which is the language God spoke with his Hebrew people, which would be our Old Testament. In Hebrew, there is no word for coincidence. Which means then man created coincidence to try to explain a why that his human understanding could not grasp. Somebody's going to get what I'm saying. In other words, coincidence was created in order to help people explain what they could not understand. But from God's perspective, nothing is coincidental. You didn't come to Harvest today by coincidence. You didn't meet and sit next to the person you sit next to by coincidence. You didn't Google us and find us by coincidence. You ain't been listening to the podcast by coincidence. Somebody didn't invite you to Harvest on the bus by coincidence. There is no coincidence. Everything that you have faced and everything that you are facing has not been coincidental. The answer to your what and the answer to your why is found in the verses that we read. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, but we have this treasure in our bodies, in our earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8 says, we are hard pressed on every side. Yet, I love the Bible because right when it looks real bad, it's a comma. You ought to thank God for commas. Because every time it looks like this is getting ready to be a mess, God says, hold it. <laughs> every time it looks like you're going down for the count, God's like, Put a comma right there. Every, you better learn how to not put a period where God puts a comma. Because some of you, you're in here today and you are just hard pressed on every side, period. But I got an announcement for you. That's not supposed to be a period. That's supposed to be a comma. You may be pressed on every side, but you are not crushed. Watch this. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Watch this. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down 
but not destroyed. Isn't it interesting? The paradoxes that he creates in, this, in the verse. He says, he says you're, you're, you're persecuted, but you ain't forsaken. You're struck down, but you're not destroyed. How is it that I can be struck down and yet not destroyed? How is it that I can be two things at the same time? How is it that I have the ability to have victory in one area and, one, and simultaneously seem to have the lack of victory in another? Watch this. The Apostle Paul who wrote this tells us that there is a treasure in us. <laughs> Say, I have a treasure. Say it like you mean it. I have a treasure. See, if you knew that, you'd stop selling yourself so cheap. Okay, got real quiet right there. Oh, okay, this y'all ain't gonna say nothing this whole side. Y'all, y'all been tripping with me the last couple weeks. We just stretch a hand towards this side of the church. Just hey, touch, 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 touch. I'm just joking. Watch this. Watch this. When you truly understand your value, it determines the quality of customer you allow around you. So let me talk to my single folk for a moment. You, you, you'd stop letting somebody with Toyota money. Because if you understood that you were a treasure. Okay, y'all, okay. I can't get no help. Woo, it's hot out there for a bishop. Yeah, I dog. Y'all going to do it like that. whatever.com. Paul says there's a treasure in you, whether you know it or not. He, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So he wants to make sure that we understand that it's in us. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now watch this. There's a treasure in you. And it's interesting because the word treasure is the Greek word, the soron, where we get our word thesaurus. Yeah. It literally means the place in which goods and precious things are, watch this, collected. I'm, I'm going to answer your why. I'm going to answer your why. It, it literally means a receptacle where valuables are kept. Watch this. It means a magazine. Collected treasures or a depository. Okay. You missed it. The Apostle Paul says, there is a place in you where goods and precious things are collected. You, you missed it. Since you were a child, there has been stuff that you've been dealing with. Since you were young and as far back as some of you can remember, you've had issues, you've had problems, you've had predicaments. And so as far back as you can remember, you've got that issue. But what you didn't understand is, is that the issue that you've always seen, it was supposed to collect a treasure. Okay, I can see I need to work this a little bit better right here. Watch this. It says, a receptacle where valuables are kept, a magazine, collected treasures, or a depository. In you, God says, there is a depository, repository to be more proper, where there are things in you that as you have gone through life, things have been collected by you and deposited by your experiences. 
Okay, I can see we need to work this a little bit better. I can see we need to work this a little bit better. Watch this. The why of your what, hear me, was to open up the treasure that's on the inside of you. Oh, God. You you, you missed it. Because y'all should have told the church up right there. Why did they do you that way? Because there was something that they had that needed to be deposited in you. God often hides things that you need in something or someone you don't enjoy. You didn't hear what I said. God often hides things that you need in circumstances and situations and people that you do not enjoy. So while they were driving you crazy, God says, I was making a deposit on the inside of you. While they were thinking you were going to lose your mind, God says, I was making a deposit on the inside of you. And they wanted you to get bitter, but baby, I wanted you to get better. I wish some. How five somebody say a deposit was being made. So now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The why of your what's was to not only make a deposit, but to open up the treasure that's in you. Bishop, Bishop what's the treasure? The treasure is, is your spiritual gifts. Watch this. Plus the wisdom you've gained. Watch this. Plus the lessons you've learned. You sitting up here looking real spiritual today, but had it been five years ago, you would have been looking brand new. The reason you're not looking brand new now is because you had to go through some what's, and those what's made some deposits in you. So now when you see that same situation, you've got some wisdom, and you've learned some lessons, and you've got some giftings, and you can look at that thing and say, oh, no, you ain't going to do that to me a second time. Baby, maybe you fooled me once, but you ain't going to fool me twice. Maybe I was getting depressed last time when that happened, but I'm not getting depressed this time. Why? Because there is a treasure on the inside of me. Watch this. Watch this. Look, look, he, 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 he says, he says, there's a treasure. Your spiritual gifts, the wisdom you've gained, the lessons you've learned. Watch this. Everything that you have encountered in your life has been connected. You didn't hear what I said. Everything that you have encountered in your life has been connected. Now, the problem is, uh, you you, listen, when you go to a restaurant, you ever see, uh, you know, where they get a kid's menu? Now, I'm going to tell you a secret about me. If you talk about me, I'm going to ask the Lord to talk to you. (laughs) Occasionally, I still ask them to give me a kid's menu. Now, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Now, I'm not trying to save $3. I'm going to give me the kid's steak. Spend the $3. If you ain't got $3, you shouldn't be eating out no how. You need to go home and make you some peanut butter and jelly and some noodles. And some chunky soup. Now, that's good eating, though. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That's, yeah, I know. That's some chunky soup and some peanut butter and jelly. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. Watch this. That, that's not the reason. The reason is because I like to play tic-tac-toe. I do. Now, the reason I like to play tic-tac-toe, watch this, is because I beat everybody I play. I am the undefeated, undisputed champion 
of tic-tac-toe. If you come eat with Bishop, you can rest assured you are going to leave a loser. Because I'm going to beat you in tic-tac-toe. And here's the deal. When somebody figures out my strategy, I keep playing until I'm the winner. You missed what I was just saying. That was so powerful. There's some stuff that it, it looks like you've been losing. You just need to keep playing. All right. Some enemies you just have to outlast. But next to the tic-tac-toe, they have this game. Here it is. They have the game where you have to find the end of the maze. You, you, you know. Now, when you wised up, you discovered that sometimes it's easier to start at the end of the thing and walk your way back to the beginning of the thing. Here's the problem. In our lives, we don't possess the ability to walk from omega to alpha. We only possess the ability to walk from alpha to omega. In our lives, some of y'all lost what I'm saying. What am I saying? Uh, he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Which means this, before he wrote the beginning of the story, he wrote the end of your story. And what God is doing is God is literally starting at the end and walking that thing back. But check this out. You and I, because we're stuck in time, we're, 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 we're walking from the beginning of a thing towards the ending of a thing. So the issue that we face is that nothing looks connected because we don't know what's next. Things don't look connected because we cannot properly discern what it is that we went through and why we went through it and then connect that to what we're currently dealing with and then have the ability to intellectually and spiritually discern what it is we're getting ready to go through. It, it is very difficult to bring all of those things to a zenith or to a culmination because you're just trying to walk your next step. Everything that you've encountered in your life has been connected. Even the mistakes that you made that you thought were going to disqualify you. Okay, I evidently ain't nobody made mistakes in here. Even the mistakes that you've made that were not part of God's original plan, God is so awesome that he says, and we know that he'll make all things work together. He'll take the good, the bad, the ugly, what you did, what they did, what you weren't supposed to do. He says, I'll take it and I'll make it all work together for the good of them that love me. And are So God is so awesome that even though you knew you shouldn't have did what you did, that he'll take what you knew you shouldn't have did and he'll make it work for your good. Y'all ain't going to say nothing over here. God is so awesome that he'll take the... You knew you had no business doing that. You knew you had no business going there. But God is so awesome. He'll take that and work it for your good. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Everything that you've encountered has been connected. Check this out. The Apostle Paul says, we have this treasure. He gives all these things. We miss the unspoken principle. The unspoken principle is the only way the treasure is accessed 
is through trouble. Okay. Maybe y'all got saved by now. We missed, y'all saved now? Y'all saved? We, we, we missed, we missed the unspoken principle. See, some things just because they're not said doesn't mean they weren't said. You ever sat in a room with somebody and their body language said more than what their mouth did? You ever been having a conversation with somebody and the way they looked at you said more than what they said and then you saw the way they looked at you and you're like, I don't know nothing about that there now. Mm-mm. Now you better get something together. Pray and fast, fast and pray. Cry and stand, whatever you do. You need to fix your face. I'd hate for there to be a misunderstanding. I'd hate for there to be smoke in the city behind the way you looked at me. That's the way you used to be. I know you're good and good and good and Christian now. The unspoken principle, watch this, that Paul says. He says, we have this treasure. He just doesn't tell you how to get there directly. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> he says, he says, that the excellence of the power and be of God and not of us. He doesn't say this, but this is the implied principle. It's the unspoken principle. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side. Well, what does that have to do with treasure? It's the pressing that produces the treasure. Okay, somebody's going to get this in a moment. In other words, let me make it real simple for your neighbor. In other words, how you're gifted often determines how you're afflicted. How you're gifted often determines how you are afflicted. See, the reason you went through the specific things that you went through had nothing to do with what you thought it had something to do with. It had everything to do with the way you're gifted. And that's why when I discover my gifts, I discover my purpose, I discover my assignment. And that's the thing Satan's been trying to destroy since you came out your mama's womb. Jesus was, is, 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 is God's gift to us. And that through his death, we might have life. But for him to live, for him to die, he had to live and he had to live and keep all of the 613 mitzvah of the Torah. All that means is he had to be perfect because he knew we weren't going to be able to be perfect. Check this out. So what's the first thing Satan did when he came? He attempted to kill him. Because he wanted to abort the gift. Because had he not been beaten... Had he not been, let me use the text, hard-pressed on every side. Had he not done those things, you and I would not be able to have everlasting life today. So what's the first thing Satan did? Satan afflicted the gift. It wasn't about you. It was about what was in you. And the hell you've dealt with in your life has not been about you. It's been about what's in you. And the reason you've been afflicted the way that you've been afflicted, baby, it's because you're gifted. Somebody shout, I'm gifted. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. He doesn't just tell us there's a treasure in us. He tells us how it's released. The treasure that's in you is released through trouble. And then here's the kind of trouble he tells you. Can I just take five extra minutes? Can I just borrow five minutes from you? I'm just going to borrow five minutes. Can I borrow five minutes? I'm going to do it either way so it would be much more easy, though, if you would just. He says we're hard-pressed, yet not crushed. Watch this. He's writing this book to a Greco-Roman and somewhat Hebrew culture. Here, here's the point. Bishop, why are you telling us that? They love this particular oil called olive oil. 
And they created the olive press in order to crush the olive so that, watch this, the unseen treasure that's on the inside of the olive could be released. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So when he says hard pressed, he's using imagery that they understand because they like extra virgin olive oil, which means they take the olive and they crush it. And then once it looks like it can't be crushed no more, they crush it some And then once it looks like it can't take another crushing, it gets... And then once you think the olive's down for the last count, it gets crushed again. So he's saying to you that the reason you're hard-pressed is because it reveals the unseen treasure that's in you. And that's the reason why even though you've been hard-pressed, you're sitting in here today. And even though you've been hard-pressed, you never lost your praise. And even though you've been hard-pressed, you never stopped worshiping. And even though you've been hard-pressed, you never turn your back. I think there's somebody that knows what I'm talking about in here today. You've been like that olive. You've been pressed and pressed and pressed. And when you thought you couldn't take no more, you got pressed some more. But the reason is... Is because you couldn't tell, nor could the olive tell about itself, that there was something valuable in it. Watch this. You can buy regular olives at the store for pennies on the dollar, a couple bucks. But now watch this. Olive oil. Come on. Now y'all tripping. Olive oil is going to cost you way more, which means the crushing made you valuable. What makes you valuable is the crushing that you've had to endure. It's not because you ain't had no bad days. It's because you had some and you're still standing. And even when you got knocked down, you got back up. It's what makes you valuable. Watch this. Watch this. You see it? Watch this. It's going through hell that makes you turn toward God. Because pain in the natural releases power in the supernatural. Then, then he says, perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed. Conundrum. Hard problem. Tough problem. Yeah. Befuddled. Unsure. Doesn't make sense. See, it doesn't make sense that you're thinking to yourself, God, I've been faithful. And why is it that my one request... Okay. Anybody ever felt like that? He said, God, I know I've not been perfect, God. He said, but God, I've been faithful. So why is it that my one request? You Sometimes you feel like Hannah, where you got a penina that's always on your back, that's always trying to taunt you for what you don't have, and always taunting you for what hasn't happened for you, and looking at you and laughing. Anybody ever felt like Hannah, where you just said, God, why is it, God, I'm faithful to you. Why is it that you're letting these crazy, no good for nothing folk taunt me? I'm doing right by you, God. Why? Perplexed perplexed God you're saying God I've sent in hundreds of resumes and didn't even get a call back and God I've gone on tons of interviews and not even had a call back God but I'm faithful to you why we become perplexed I got two and a half minutes left on my bald five and our quest to understand why and you know what watch this in school watch, watch, watch this you got the answer to this question you said Bishop what do you mean in school in school, who did the bullies tease? 
the smart kid. In school, who did people tease? The one that didn't try to fit in with them. Somebody going to get this today. Some of my teenagers are getting ready to get free of some stuff you've been dealing with today because you're trying to figure out why is it they don't like me. It's not that they don't like you. It's that they're trying to crush what's in you and they got a problem with what's in you. And so you're trying to figure out why in your family you were the one that they put over here. And you were the one that nobody ever called on. And nobody ever had said nothing to and they just figured, oh, I thought you was all right because you're strong. And you're thinking to yourself, well, sometimes I'm tired of being strong. So, I told you you're going to get set free from your why today. In school, they teased, they teased the smart kid. They teased the kid that didn't try to fit in. They teased the kid that did well. Isn't that something? The one on the honor roll, that was the one they were making fun of. And some of y'all, watch this, some of y'all, the reason you ain't said that now is because you was on the other side of the teasing. But the truth is, is that people only participated in the teasing against someone because they had not yet discovered what was unique about that one. But check this out. They teased the smart kid. They, they, they teased the one, and, and, and they had issues with the one that, that was doing well. Check this out. They mocked the one for the thing that made them different. And when you went through it, you got perplexed. And sometimes you got depressed. And sometimes you got angry. And sometimes you got frustrated. And then sometimes you'd stoop down so you could fit in so that at least you didn't have to sit at lunch by yourself. You're not hearing what I'm saying. See, we're going to dig. I told you we're having a therapy session today. So you did things because you were perplexed. But the truth of the matter is, is what you didn't understand is that the affliction that they gave you was to help point you to how you were gifted. When you find the problem that people have with you, you found out what gives you your value. What makes you valuable is not the same thing you have in common with your neighbor. Because a scissor and a ruler are valuable but in different ways. You and your neighbor do not possess the same value because you're not equipped with the same giftings because you're not called and assigned to do the same things. And so when I discover what makes me unique, see watch this, whenever you find out people talking about you about something, Stop saying, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Shut that noise up. Instead, say, now, what did they say? Yeah. Bishop, why do I want to know what they said? Because I want to know what they see about me that I don't see about myself. Be seated. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Persecuted but not forsaken. See, an enemy is anything that opposes your progress. In fact, the word evil means to be contrary to. So God often uses your enemies to provoke you, to bring you into what he's ordained. Uh, see, uh, there was a movie several years ago, and I've talked about this before, called Vampire in Brooklyn. Y'all remember that movie? It was Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. It was kind of a, you know, a B-budget movie. You know, they... Ran out a little early. You know, it's okay. Kadeem Harder was in there. He was trying to have a comeback from Different World. You know, he was trying to get... So y'all don't know nothing about Different World up here. Yeah, who, who knows something about Different World? What y'all talking about, Different World? <laughs> I didn't think y'all knew nothing about that around here. 
Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. And in the movie, the vampire turns into the preacher. Preacher Pauly. He's Preacher Pauly. Y'all remember Preacher Pauly? And uh, Preacher Pauly was at his preaching van getting ready for the service. And, 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 and the vampire came up to Preacher Pauly. Pauly, he turned into Preacher Pauly. And then he gets up and then he walks into the church. But, of course, you know, he's a vampire. So he can't go into church because there's a cross in the church. So he sees the cross. He starts getting hot. And he says, "Woo, it's hot as heaven in here. And, uh, <laughs> And, and, so, and so then they walk out. Now, check this out. He begins to say something that, that may seem comical, but it's very biblical. He says this. He says, Eva is necessary. You, you didn't hear what I'm saying. He said, Eva. <laughs> Not evil. Eva. <laughs> Eva is necessary. Because what, what, what you think evil is, is the devil and pitchforks and ghosts and goblins. That's not evil. Evil means contrary to. It is your resistance that builds your strength. It is the things that are contrary to you that give you the strength to continue to climb. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Therefore, evil is necessary. If it wasn't for the evil against you, you wouldn't pray. If it wasn't for the evil against you, you wouldn't be in church today. If it wasn't for the evil against you, you wouldn't be giving the way you give. If it wasn't for the evil against you, you wouldn't be worshiping the way that you worship. Evil is necessary. Watch this. Without a negatively charged M, there can be no electrical circuit. You can't have a positive and a positive. You have to have a positive and an evil. That's why you ever felt in your life like, God, I got church, I got the word. Wow, you started your week out strong, and then here come Monday, and then it's like Eva. But because when you put your Sunday and your Monday together, you got electricity, you got a circuit. When you put your positive and your negative together, you got a circuit. There is no progress unless there is opposition. I got to move, I got to move. Struck down but not destroyed. See, what you dealt with, are y'all all right? What you dealt with, it was not designed by God to create trash. It was designed to bring forth treasure. It was not designed by God to create baggage. It was designed to make you better. Your whole life, say my whole life, has been part of the process to prepare you for this moment. For you to take, remember what I said earlier? My whole goal today was to get you to take one step. Your whole life. Some of you are in your teens. Some of you are in your 20s. Some of you are in your 30s. Some of you are in your 40s. Some of you are in your 50s. Some of you are in your 60s. Some of you are in your 70s. Some of you are in your 80s. And a couple of weeks ago, I met someone that was with us that would just turn 92. So some, so some, so some in your 90s. And who knows, you might be watching. You could be a centurion. You might be a hundred-something. Your whole life has been designed to prepare you to get you to this moment so you can take one step. Say it with me, one step. The Bible's full of people whose giftedness determine their affliction. And hear me, you're no different. Joseph was gifted in administration. He, he was gifted to be a ruler, a leader. But yet early in his life, he finds himself in a pit by people that he tried to share his dream with. He was gifted to rule, 
but he had to be afflicted to suffer. God. He was gifted to rule, yet he finds himself afflicted as a servant of servants, as a slave. Now, isn't that a contradiction? Isn't that an oxymoron? How are you supposed to be a king and a ruler, and yet you find yourself working in somebody's house? How is it that you're supposed to be a ruler, and you find yourself as part of the help? Watch this. Can I give you another? Can I give you another? Yeah. Uh, uh, David, he, he was gifted as a pastor shepherd. Yet he finds himself shepherding literal sheep. And when he tries to bring the nation, his, his brothers in particular, and he tries, they're trying to go and advance against Goliath. You know what happens? The people mock him because they say to him, you, you're just trying to show off. You're just trying to make yourself better than us. He was gifted, but his affliction was being misunderstood. Can I give you another? Can I give you another? Can I give you another? Stephen, in the book of Acts, he was gifted to be an evangelist. He was preaching the gospel, declaring the gospel. He was bold. But yet his affliction was that he had to pay a price that literally took his life. He became the first Christian martyr. Uh, Timothy. Timothy was gifted as an apostle. But yet his affliction is that all of the people that he sent to lead challenge him. Watch this. Watch this. They all made it and used their gifts to change the lives of others because they took one step forward. <laughs> Joseph was a faithful servant. Watch this. David, he was faithful to God. Afflicted, though, but he was gifted. <laughs> Stephen, he, com he was committed even when it hurt. He was gifted, and he reached more people perhaps in his short time of ministry than perhaps many people even today have done and many years later. Timothy, watch this. He, his, he's an apostle deals with foundation, but yet the foundation of his life is questionable because his father walks out, and he gets raised by his mother and his grandmother. So the very area he's gifted in, he's now afflicted in because he has no sense of foundation. And so what he does to compensate or to deal with the fact that he had no foundation in his life is he submits himself to a man of God, then the apostle Paul. He's afflicted to be a foundation layer, a leader, a leader of leaders. Yet in his upbringing, he had no one to look at it as an example. Say one step. One step. How do you run a marathon? You pick them up. You put them down. Some of y'all know something about that from the Pentecost. Come on here. You, you pick them up. You put them down. You pick them up. You put them down. One step at a time. How do you eat uh, if you were going to eat a horse, which they're doing in Britain, eating horses? <laughs> They didn't know they were getting no horse, but that, that, yeah. Burger King was right. You know, have it your way. <laughs> you can put some ketchup on your horse. You can put some mustard on your horse. You can put some pickles on your horse. Some hot sauce on your horse. We all ain't saying nothing. How do you eat a horse? One bite at a time. You run a marathon. One step at a time. So here it is. Here it is right here. Here it is. Here's where I wanted to get, and I wanted to slow down because I wanted to make sure you were listening to me. Everyone in here is at a place where you just need to take one step. Say one step. one step. 
for some of you, and this is going to be so practical, the one step you need to take is to go into Kingdom Life University. Bishop, what is that? That's more than a church membership class. That teaches you all about you. It teaches you how to get your finances in order. It teaches you, in addition to teaching you about our mission and our vision, it teaches you about generational curses. It teaches you about your bloodline and how to break the stuff in your bloodline. Do you know that the person sitting next to you is 400 years worth of history? No, I know you're saying, Bishop, they're 36. No, 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 they're 436. What you need to understand is that the Scripture says that the sins of the fathers would be visited to the third and fourth generations. So depending on the way we uh, quantify a generation, you're sitting next to someone that's between 200 and 400 years old. That's why there's certain stuff that they deal with, and they say, I don't know why I'm like this. It's because of somebody they never met. KOU teaches you how to deal with that. It teaches you. It goes into more depth about your spiritual gifts. It teaches you how to use those gifts. It teaches you about how to live a life of excellence. It teaches you all of those things. For some of you, the next step you need to take, just one step, just one step. I'm not saying be super Christian. I ain't saying go out tomorrow and talk about you starting a woman's home. Ain't nobody said nothing. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody said nothing about that. One step. Say one step. For some of you, that's all you have to do. Your next step is Kingdom Life University. For some of you, and, and let me say this, especially my teenagers, because understand this, you don't have to wait until you're 20, 30, 40, 50 to start talking about, I'm going to serve God for real. Why don't you be like some of the people in the Bible, like Timothy, who when he was around 16, 17 years old, there's the Apostle Paul come, take him up, pick him, raise him, and uses him to be a mighty man of God. You don't have to wait until you've made a bunch of mistakes. I think I got a couple of witnesses here. For some of you, you've taken KLU, and your next step, your one step is to begin serving in the dream team. Bishop, why do I need to serve? Why do I need to serve? I just like to come to church and go home, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. But what you're missing is that all of your what's won't have a why. Bishop, what do you mean by that? Because what you're doing is you're not using what you've been through to serve or change the life of another. So instead, what you're doing is saying to God, and I'm not trying to beat you up or bully you or do nothing. You do what you want to do. You grow, I understand. I'm grown, Bishop. I'm doing what you want to do. That's cool. What I'm telling you is, Jesus said the greatest amongst you will be the ones that serve. So for some of you, uh, it just so happens that today's a dream team orientation. Look at God. Uh, For some of you, that's your next step. For some of you, you're doing those things. And you're seeing the benefit of those things. Your giftedness is coming out. You're using your gifts to change the lives of others. You're seeing you're becoming a better wife, a better husband, a better mother, a better father, a better daughter, a better this, a better that. But for some of you, your one step is to enroll in Harvest Bible College, which is going to be starting. Uh, class is going to be beginning this uh, early fall. For some of you, that's your next step. Just your one step. Don't, don't try to put this foot way out there. Just take one step. Every little step I take. Just one step. Somebody shout one step. Just one step. KLU. For some of you, serving. For some of you, Harvest Bible College. Maybe for some of you, it's a little bit before KLU. Maybe for some of you, your one step is just to be here faithfully. And if that's where you're at, celebrate where you're at and conquer that. Say one step. 
all of your wives, thank you for giving me the extra time, all of your wives have been, or excuse me, all of your what's have been to get you to a place to where the treasure in you is used to benefit others. You didn't survive that abusive relationship just so you could sit up and say, I'm a survivor. You survived it so that when another person's in one, you can say, oh, I know, I know how to come out of that. You didn't survive that financial ruin just so you can say, ooh, the Lord's been good to me. You survived it so that when somebody else is sitting up saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, you can say to him, I've been right there. I've been right there. And I tell you, if he did it for me, he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for me, baby, he's going to do it for you. You're gifted. So what are you going to do about it? You just found out what you need to do about it. Take one step. Everybody stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word. We honor you for your word. I'm speaking to a gifted people. I'm speaking to an incredible people. <laughs> All of what you've been through was to get you to this point to take one step. But for some of us today, the first step we've got to take is a step toward God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're in this worship experience in the Aurora campus or watching online today. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never become a Christian. You've, you've maybe even gone to church. I'm surprised at how many people are in church but aren't Christians. Maybe you've even gone to church but you've never given your life to Jesus. Because you've been trying and you've been stuck on why. Well, you just got an answer to your why. There's a treasure in you. Hard pressed, not crushed. Perplexed, not in despair. If you're in this place today, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. God put on a body and he stepped into the earth and he paid the price for your sins. Not just to pay the price for your sins, but so that you could have an abundant life. Which means you've got so much life that you're bringing others back to life. But secondly, maybe you're in this experience today when you've given your life to Jesus before, but you've not been faithful in serving him. And you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. You need to come back to him and renew your commitment to the Lord. If either one of those is you, I've got good news. God is not mad at you. God is not trying to beat you up. He's the reason you're still here. Don't you think it was because of your degree? Don't you for one moment think that it was because of your pedigree? Don't for one moment think that it's because of who you know? I'm here to tell you the reason you're still here is because of Jesus. That, that's the only reason you're still here. And if either one of those of you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself to Jesus, I got good news. And in the count of three, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And when you do that, you're going to hear a bunch of people around you celebrating you because at one point or another, they were standing in the very same place that you're standing. And I'm going to tell you, we're not a church that's going to judge you and beat you up and put you down. Instead, we're going to love you and we're going to love you to life. Because guess what? That neighbor of yours was standing right where you were before with their heads bowed and eyes closed, if either one of those is you, you need to become a Christian for the first time or rededicate yourself to Jesus. Don't you be ashamed and don't you think twice about it. On the count of three, throw that hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up. 
Hallelujah. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. 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 If you're online, throw that hand up. God sees that hand right now. Throw that hand up. Hallelujah. Now, I want every hand lifted because no person stands alone here. Everybody say this to me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe the Bible. You sent Jesus to die in my place, pay the price for my sin so I can have an abundant life. I finally understand the why of the what's. I finally get it, how I'm gifted, determined, how I was afflicted. So I'm not crying about it anymore. I'm not upset about it anymore. I'm not stuck in that place anymore. If this is my first time praying this, I am a Christian. If I'm praying this and I was far from you, I'm reconnected to you. I believe with all my heart, I believe within my spirit that my greatest days are in front of me. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. I'm somebody. There's a treasure in me. I'm not trash. I'm not a mistake. I'm not a failure. I'm not an accident. I'm gifted. That's why I was afflicted. In Jesus' name, wanted to give God praise all in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for lying on me. Thank you for giving up on me. Thank you for turning your back on me. Somebody shout, thank you. Thank you. One step. One step. One step. Hug two or three people as you take your seats and just tell them one step. One step. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice! Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah! Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.